Good afternoon, brothers and sisters in Christ. Our last Sunday before the hour change. Okay, so it's still getting a little bit darker, a little bit earlier. But we can make it through it together tonight as well in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to thank you all for being here again, that we can have this time of fellowship in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be strengthened from one another in song, in prayer, and Lord willing, through his word this evening, as we continue to look at God and see who he is. You know, tonight's lesson's coming out of Haggai. Not too many lessons, or we talk about Haggai many times. It's a small book in the Old Testament. One of the last three books in the Old Testament of, uh, of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi before we get to the New Testament. But one of the things I think about in our lives a lot of times is we have questions of sometimes what's going on in our life. And sometimes what are the things going on? It seems like I try to do things and I'm not able to get it going forward. And the more I try to do, the more I get behind. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before. Or, you know, things go, if it's not one thing, we may have heard that thing. If it's not one thing, then it's another, right? All of these kinds of phrases and things that we've heard before as we talk about our Lord and Savior, as things that comes in our hearts and minds also. And tonight I just wanted to look at Haggai a little bit for us to look at and see what God says through him to the people in Jerusalem at that time to see what was going on with them and what God has to say for us through Haggai this evening also. It's one of the prophecies, one of the books. Also, we see messianic tones of talking about Jesus coming, Jesus the Christ coming, coming to bring us peace, the coming of the kingdom that we are in, that we are part of. All of these different things Haggai is a part of as we look at the story of him. His actual name means festive. Or to come to a feast. So Haggai, we can kind of see, I think it was a probably a pretty fired up kind of guy if his name meant festive. And if you know anything about most biblical names, whatever they were named, is a lot of what they were, right? So we can look at Haggai as somebody who was festive and he was wanting to be encouraging to the people. And he was wanting to be encouraging not because of his own word, but because of the word of God. Over and over again, you'll see in Haggai chapter 2, chapter 1 and chapter 2, the word of the Lord, the word of Jehovah. Over and over again, he's stressing again, it's not my word, but God's word that's reigning in what I'm saying that I want to say to you. And perhaps God's talking to us tonight through Haggai as well, helping us to think and reflect. And as he says over and over again, and God says to the people while he's writing this book, Haggai, pay attention. Now, just for a little bit of a story of what's going on here, in 586, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed at that time. 605 also started entering in, but 586, the temple was destroyed. And then we have the prophecies of Daniel, 70 years that would be restored. Well, during that time, 50 years later, God had already put into the heart of Cyrus to allow the people to go back to Jerusalem. And as they go back to Jerusalem, they begin... To build the temple. We'll see Nehemiah going to build the walls. But now here in this moment. They're going to be going back to build the temple. And then when we get around 536. 50 years after the destruction of Jerusalem. The people are going back. And they are fired up. They are ready. To, to do the work. And they're there. And they're working on the temple. And the temple work is going well. Then opposition comes. And then perhaps something else happened also. Because if you read the story in Ezra, Ezra picks up a lot of time what's going on here in Haggai. To the point where Ezra says, for 14 years they did not work on the house of the Lord. Now what happened in these 14 years for them not to want to work on the house of the Lord? We understand one, because of opposition, but also this also is what was happening. And a lot of times we think about our lives, man, we get start something 
And then we kind of get a little bit tired of it, right? Whew. Well, you know, you get really fired up. You do something, you go a little bit. And then, about, you know, for us, for us nowadays, it doesn't take a year or two to get tired of it, right? You give a child toy to a kid, he wants. Five days later, one day later, maybe 20 minutes later, he's already wanting the next thing, right? We get tired of it or something that we have to do. But God here, the people went back, they were excited to be going back. God had put on the heart of these kings to allow them to go back to rebuild the temple. But they stopped. And Paul, Paul, and Haggai is going to write them to send them this message. Our, God, our Lord is going to send them this message through Haggai. And I only really want us to look at chapter 1 tonight because it's full of lots of different things also. But I'd like to read Haggai chapter 1 to us since it's a short chapter already. And it says here, as it says in the title in mind, a call to build the house of the Lord. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled roofing houses? While this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, you harvested little. You eat but not have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are never worn. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up in the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth has withheld its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else that ground produces. On people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. And the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai. Because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the message of this Lord, uh, uh, gave the message to the Lord to the people. I am with you. Declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up in the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. What I want us to start thinking about, I'm not the best in mathematics, okay? Okay, but when we start getting around here saying the second year of King Darius, we're talking about 520 B.C., Okay, and we're talking in 536 that the first exiles or the first captives were being sent back to Jerusalem. So 536 minus 12, okay, 536 minus, okay, I got it in my head right, okay, 536 minus 2 will get you 534, right? Okay, and then 14 years will get you 520. Two of the first 16 years they went back, they worked on the house of the Lord. Okay, that's what we get down to. In 16 years, they worked on the house of the Lord for the first two years, and I'm sure they worked on it with vigor. But what happened? Started looking at the other things. 
started seeing other things and started thinking, well, you know what? We need to work on the house of the Lord, but I think it's time I need to take care of some things and do some things my way. Lord's house is important, but not as important as my house. And then we can see here, as Johnny goes on the slide here, listen what it says the Lord said that they did, that they were doing. He says, you planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never worn. You earn your wages, but it's like purses with holes in it. You expected much and turned out little. Now, as they're going through this, they are, what are they doing at this time? They're taking care of their own houses. The Lord says, are you taking care of your own houses, your paneled houses? They're taking care of their places, but have forgotten the very reason they came back to Jerusalem was to give honor to the Lord, to give glory to the Lord. But two years after that, they stopped doing the work. And at this very moment, as we see in this going on, this is happening. God is giving them a remembrance and calling them. And he's calling their attention. And what does God say to him, to them at that time? He says this, you brought home what you brought home. I blew away. Wait a minute. Lord, everything I do, I eat, but I never have enough. I plant, but it's never enough. Plant much, but harvest little. Man, all these things are happening. Why are they happening? Lord says, you brought home because I blew it away. Whoa. It's a pretty big statement that the Lord is saying to them. Because we can see evidence here that they were more concerned about their own lives than glorifying the Lord at this moment. And not only that, when we think in Revelation, when we see Jesus and when we see, we see in Revelation, God writing to the churches. That's just as evident for us today. When he writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, you have forgotten your first love. You have the word, but you have, you know, the doctrine, but you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten who this Jesus is. Not only does he write to that church and he writes to the church also. And he says, you are lukewarm. I would rather have you hot or cold. And because you are lukewarm. I am ready to spew you out of my mouth, the Lord says. Okay? But not only that does the Lord say, He will say to the other church there also, He says this, On the outside you have the appearance of being vibrant, on the appearance of being well, being strong. But on the inside, you're poor and you're naked. Why does God write those things? Why does he say those things in that way? Why does he say it in Revelation like that? He says, he who has ears, let them hear. And he's saying also, and he doesn't leave it there, praise God. He leaves them with a promise. Amen. Hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. That's why the Lord, when he says over and over again in Haggai, Haggai, first of all, says, this is the Lord's message, not my message. This is the word of Jehovah. And not only that, as he's saying this word, the Lord of God is saying, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And these things that are going on at this time for them and in the church was because of the things that the Lord was causing to happen. But the Lord was causing those things and housing those things because the Lord wants them to come back. If you read in Revelation later on, the Lord says, even in the earthquakes and even in all the, all the things that happen and go on, yet... You did not return to me. The Lord's calling people. You know, a lot of times, and I'm not saying that every single earthquake and every single hurricane 
is because we are being sent in the Lord sending that message to us, okay? Not every single one of them. We have things that, whoops, look, there you go, goes the microphone. I didn't fall, but the microphone almost fell, okay? But as we think about it, thinking about it, you know, it was a, a sister in Brazil called me not too long ago. She said, Mark, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening here close to where we live. We had a mudslide. We had a flood. We had an earthquake. We had things that never have happened in Brazil happen. Even tornadoes in there. Usually they didn't. Tornadoes used not to exist in Brazil. They do now. And she said, all of these things are happening. You know, and I told her, I said, hey, sister. I don't know why those things are happening. I can't say, I'm not going to say that the Lord, (laughs) the Lord knows all things. But one thing I do know is I pray that even in all these things that are happening, that people may seek the Lord. Well, imagine the people in Haggai. They saw that everything that they were doing and trying to do wasn't working and wasn't helping, but yet they didn't seek the Lord. They said, you know what? I'm going to go plant the field. Well, it's not producing. I'm going to go buy more seed and plant the field with more seeds and more come up and less came up each and every time. Well, you know what? Maybe I need more money. Well, I'm going to go make more money. You want to make money? But the money came in and came out like the holes in the wallet in their purse. The more they tried to make, the less they had. But yet... In all of these things that they were happening, that were happening at this moment, they were not seeking the Lord. And God is calling them. And he says, I want to bless you. I want to be with you. I want, to, I want my peace to be with you. And the Lord sends Haggai to them and he says these things to them. And so we see here at this first part, some of the things that happens here in the book of Haggai. Seven times the Lord will question the people for them to be reflective. Five times he will call their hearts. The appeal to their hearts to come back. One thing, some things that we can understand from this. When God is forgotten, all labor is without profit. When God is forgotten. Nothing prospers, prospers the way we truly want it to when we neglect God. And in this here, what can we think about especially? The spiritual poverty of the people at this moment. Having all of these things happened, but yet not seeking the Lord. But praise God, God is patient with us. Praise God, he's going to send Haggai to them. But before we see what they did, and so they reacted to it, again in chapter 2, verse 15, Paul, uh, Haggai, I want to say Paul, but Haggai, again will be writing, he says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth again. One thing is they're going to get that they're going to get that temple built and that temple won't be as glorious as Solomon's temple. And some of those who were living at that time are going to look at that temple and say, man, y'all sure didn't do a good job. And he says, don't listen to those who are complaining about it. Okay, they say that the temple that Solomon built was double the size of the temple that they rebuilt here, double the size. So it was a lot smaller at this moment. But God's going to be talking about another temple and another people that he's going to raise up. The temple of the people of God. But as he goes on to say here, Paul, Paul, Haggai wants to remind them of something again. Here in chapter 2, the Lord wants to bless. And so the Lord says, when you start doing things right, don't forget. Don't forget who I am. And so he not only says... Give careful, give careful attention, Johnny. Again, he says, give careful thought again. In chapter 2, verses 15, starting in verse 15. Now give careful thought 
Well, I'll go ahead and read verse 14. Then he guy says, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, there's defiled. Now change your hearts. Listen to what he says here in verse 15. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to vat, <laughs> wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hell. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Okay? From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there any seed left in the barn? Again, he's saying in those 14 years, when you were not building, were you prospering? No. In those 14 years, when you were trying to get everything sifted, doing it on your own, did you have any peace? No. Paul, <laughs> hey guys, reminding them again and again. And through God saying, I want you to remember and I want you to know that these things that came, if it be the blight, the mildew and the hell, God says, what? I struck them down, declares the Lord. I struck down the work of your hands, declares the Lord. Man, that sounds kind of mean, doesn't it? When we start thinking about God, God, how could you strike, the hand, strike their hands down, strike everything that they were trying to do and everything that they were trying to strive for? Because they had forgotten their God. You know, a lot of times a nation can continue being blessed by those who pray for it. But when a, God, a nation's character is changed forever, it loses lots of the blessings of God. We want to pray here and think at this moment, Why? Why would God, as it says, blow away all that they attempted? Why would God strike down all the work that they tried to do? Was it because he was a mean God? Because he didn't love them? It's because he did love them. Was it because he didn't want them to prosper? No, he wants them to prosper. Is it because he doesn't want them to have eternal life? No, he wants them to have eternal life. And so God will say these things. Why? Johnny, if you can show for us here. Chapter 1, verse 4, as it says here, and we've already read earlier, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? The very first thing, they had forgotten the temple of God. Each one busy with their own house, not honoring the Lord. 1, verse 9, as he goes on to say, talking about this and saying about this here also. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. What you brought home, I blew away. God again, calling the people. But you know what? Hey, guys, name means festive. Well, there ain't much festiveness in this message at the moment. What is God wanting to say through hey, guy? What? How can he encourage them? And God's going to give it to them. And he's going to say, this is what you need to do. Praise God. Praise God he's patient with us. Praise God he's willing to look at us praise God for his word when we start thinking about verses we start maybe thinking about Matthew six thirty three. seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you and as we start thinking of other verses in the New Testament also as we reflect on this here 
And we understand that God at this moment is not honoring them because they have left his house in ruins. That's one part of the why. And not the only part of the why. Because even when they had all these things happening, as Johnny can show for us here, yet in 2 verse 17, you did not return to me. What does God desire from a sinner? What does God desire from a sheep that has wandered away? He desires that we return to him. That is his desire. I can't explain every single bad thing that happens in this world. I can't. We know that sometimes it's the devil. And he's bringing things in our lives that make us upset also. But what can I do at that moment and whatever it is? Lord God, help me. That whenever something happens that is out of my control, which in turn, really in, in, in light of all things, we are not in control of anything. We're not in control of our breath. The Lord is. Every single thing. And he says, yet you did not return to me. God's desire. As, in for, as it says in Second Peter, the only reason that he hasn't come back yet is that he desires that all men come to repentance. And come to him. But you know what? God doesn't want us to stay in that. He doesn't want us to stay. Well, God struck me down. God struck this down. Well, I can't do anything about it. God says you can. It's not what you can't do, but what can I do? Lord, what can I do in moments when it seems like everything's just going wrong and everything's going out of my control and I don't understand it? Lord God, help me to understand. What do you want me to do? Look what God says here in chapter 1, verse 8. What happens when we do pay attention? What happens when we do repent? Look what God first of all says to him in verse 9 when, as he's talking to him. In verse 8, he says this. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. The first thing the Lord wants us to do is to honor him. Is to glorify him. Lord God, even when I don't understand what's going on in my life, I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. Lord God, help me to take the steps that I need to honor you and glorify you as I should. In repentance. In a, lo- in, in a life living for you. But not only that happens at this moment. Look what it says here in verse 12. Then Haggai the Lord's messenger We'll go ahead and start in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, Joshua, son of Zodiac, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord. And as they obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, first of all, they decided we are going to glorify the Lord at this moment in our lives. Well, I'm planting, but I'm having little. Lord God doesn't seem like anything's coming in straight. Anyway, whatever's happening, Lord, I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to honor you. And the second thing that he says here, as it says, the remnant of the people, those who heard what Haggai said, those who responded to the message, those who had repented, those who said we're going to get to work, it says that they obeyed the voice of the Lord. Lord God, help me to obey you, even when it's hard. Lord God, help me to obey you. Lord God, help me to show you in my life. Help me to submit to your will and not my will be done. And as we see here, 
one of the first promises that the Lord makes to them. If you will humble yourselves, if you will, as he says here, glorify me. And if you will obey my voice, the Lord declares, I am with you. Amen. The God says, I am with you. As he says here in verse 13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord, to the Lord of the people. I am with you. He is with us. He's never left. He's never forsaken us. And God, when we see that we're going in a way that God doesn't want, may we come back to him and say, Lord God, I'm going to glorify you. Lord God, I'm going to obey you. And Lord, as I'm obeying you, Lord God, I pray as it says here, and I can remember your promise that you said, I am with you. And not only am I with you, you know what happens when you come back to the Lord, when we come back to the Lord, when I come back to the Lord? When I say, Lord God, I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to obey you. And I know the Lord's with me. Chuck, when I can tell you, you know what? I was messed up, but I heard the voice, the voice of the Lord. I'm obeying him now. And the God has done amazing things. And I can see that the Lord is with me. You know what that's going to get Chuck to do? Fired up to do the same thing. Wow. If Mark can do it, if Mark can change, I can change also. Because, man, we know it's hard for him, right? Okay. The idea of what's going on here. And look what it says here. As the message goes out, as the people are obeying, what's happening? Look what it says. Then Haggai, the Lord's message, gave the message to the Lord of the people. I am with you. And when the Lord says, I am with you, when he says he's with his people, when he's with his church, when we know that the Lord is with us as a church, what happens? So the Lord stirred up in the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Amen. There's nothing we can't do when we're together. Nehemiah said it also, right? Nehemiah, when they got the half, of the half of the wall fixed, and those friends of his, not friends, enemies, come and say, if a fox gets on this wall, it'll fall down. Nehemiah praised the Lord, said, Lord, don't let this happen. Let it fall on them if that's what they want to say. But it says after that, the people worked as one and accomplished in 52 days a whole wall around the temple, around Jerusalem at that moment, in 52 days. But as he says here, they came and began to work on the house. Praise God that he's called us all to work together individually in our own temple, in our lives but as a church family, Lord God, help us as a church, as, a, as, a, as your body, Lord, to look to you. Help us as a body to repent if we need to repent. Help us as a body to glorify you as we should. Help us as a body to obey your word. And as a body, Lord, may we be understanding of the promises that come along with obeying you. I am with you. In chapter 2, God will say, I will grant you my peace. And in chapter 2, verse 19, he's saying, you know what? You've defiled everything. You've done everything wrong. But now that you've gotten yourself straight back with me, now that you're understanding who I am, look what the Lord says here in chapter 2, verse 19. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. Kind of sounds like a backache, right? Nothing looks like it's going to be coming any good at all. But he says, the Lord says, now that you have turned your backs, your, your ways back to me from this day, 
I will bless you. I don't know about you, but I like to be blessed by the Lord. Blessed by him. And as we see here, we can understand that the blessing is not because of how good we are, but how good God is. How gracious God is. How merciful God is to these people here at this moment. Look what he calls that. Starts off calling them this people. And by the end, he's calling them my people. Wow, that's a pretty good statement. Strong statement of how God can forgive us. And God loves us. And so God, as he's writing there to the church in Haggai, and he says, Lord God, we will bless you from this day. The last words of Haggai say this here also. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. And when we think of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the messianic implications of this, of what it is and what God is saying, God is saying, he has given us Jesus. He has given us Jesus, the high priest. He has given us him to look to, to grab onto, to hold onto each and every day of our lives. And so what can we understand and learn from Haggai tonight? That we are no longer called that people. But we are called the people of God. That now we are in Christ instead of being in the world. That now we have been transported from the dominion of darkness into his wonderful light. That now we pertain to him forever and ever. You know, Jesus says it this way. Twice. Well, two different ways. First of all, seek ye first the kingdom of God. If anything and everything else is going wrong in your life and God's promising you food, if you're anxious about food, eat what you eat, what you wear, God says, I'll take care of that for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Evaluate our ways. God, help me to listen to your voice. Help me to obey you. But not only that, Jesus says, what gains a man if he gains the world yet forfeits his soul? Don't go after things of this world. The biggest house, the greatest sports star, all of these things are going to vanish with time. And what's really going to matter is do I have eternal life with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Lord God, I know we can see it in our world this day. We want to try to live longer. We got cryogenics calling out saying if I can get iced up, frozen up, If I'm sick, in 60 years they find a a cure for it, bring me out of that eye state so I can live a little bit longer. Well, you're going to lose 60 years. Everybody you know is going to be gone in 60 years, probably, most of them. Okay? People want to live longer. Doing things just like that. Well, Lord God, I'll do this and that. Well, we don't know about tomorrow. But the one thing that we can know about tomorrow is that if we're in Christ, we're going to be with him. And praise God. Praise God that he loved his people. And he loved the people, of, the people who listened to his voice and obey him. That he could have just let, not said anything. Okay, 14 years you haven't done anything. Well, you know what? I'm not going to say anything and nothing's going to get done. 14 years, wake up. 
And God in Ephesians says, wake up, O sleeper, and let Christ shine on you. Tonight, if you're not in Christ, wake up. We don't know about tomorrow. Wake up, O sleeper. Don't delay. Let let Christ shine on you. Give your life to the Lord this evening. And for all of us who are in Christ Jesus, who are going about our daily business and our daily things that we go, and we strive for things, and it's no problem to strive for things and to have things, okay? But Lord God, help me never to allow any of those things to become the first priority in my life. May my first priority in my life always be, Lord, to glorify you, to listen to your voice, and obey it. Everything else, the Lord will take care of. The promise is, if I do those things, the Lord will be with me. The Lord, as he says, I am with you. I will grant you peace, and I will bless you. Lord God, help me to remember that in the hardest of times, that you still are my God, and I still am your servant. And you have good things in store. You have things to help me prosper and things to help me have peace, Lord. But above all, the hope I have in Christ Jesus. And for all those that we love who have gone on to be with Christ, I thank you, Lord, for the promise that we will be together again one day. And we will serve you and live with you in eternity. If you have any, any prayer request tonight, if you want to let Christ to shine on you, Bring your sins to God. Bring your griefs to the Lord. Bring your life to the Lord. He is willing to heal you in every way. Bring it to Him and say, Lord God, I surrender. I surrender all. Bring it all to the Lord each and every moment of our lives. I'm not saying that everything that happens is because of something bad that we've done. I don't want to pass that along the time. But when things do happen and they're out of control, Lord God, help me take to some time. To make sure that my life is straight with you. That I'm not glorifying other things, but I'm glorifying you. Come as we stand and sing at this moment. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2888. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.